Hey, everybody. Dennis Prager here. Great to be with you. I'm with you every week, and it is amazing. Every week, it's true. From my home in California, USA, to all over the world, we have thus far questions from people in 52 countries, and that doesn't include people who don't send questions. So it's a very powerful vehicle to touch your life, and that's what I want to do. It's what I've always wanted to do, in fact. And it's a great way for you to know me better and know what I stand for. And then I get your feedback. It's completely unrehearsed. I don't read a word from a teleprompter. I don't prepare in advance except some thoughts for my opening statement. And it's a wonderful thing. It's worked out well. That's Otto. We try to have Otto's face in on this side, but uh, Otto's, uh, the ability to convince Otto to do something is limited. He's great. We love him. But uh, he's, uh, he has his own mind. Okay? So if I tell him, turn around, it doesn't work. Anyway, great to be with you. And I want to open with a very serious subject, one that a lot of you apparently have asked about. Is that correct? And it's a very logical thing for you to uh, ask about. And that is, can a decent person, speaking about not only just Americans, but especially Americans, can, how can a decent person support a leader who is perceived by many as not decent? I mean, that's about as good a summary as possible of that question. And it applies f- from many people with regard to Uh, people who support uh, Donald Trump, the president of the United States, who many regard as not a decent person. So I I am not here to defend Donald Trump. I am here to defend the notion that a decent person has different questions to ask about a leader than what is their character. There are so many answers that I could give on this that I think would convince any open-minded person that I don't even know where to begin because there are so many. So I'll begin without any order of importance with this question. If uh, your house were on fire, would you inquire as to the character of the firefighters who came to put it out or their ability to put out fires? Frankly, that, in my opinion, is sufficient a response. President of the United States or the prime minister of your country or a whole host of of people with great power, the question is, can they put out fires? Can they, or for that matter, build good houses? Their character is secondary. And I am saying this as one for whom character is everything in regular life, in regular life. That's why I say I don't care. I never cared what my kids would be. I don't care if they would be doctors or lawyers or firefighters uh, or anything. It doesn't matter. I only cared about their character. I didn't care about their grades. And they knew it. I told them all the time. I just didn't care. Whatever they came home with, I wanted only one thing. Am I raising good people? That's all I cared about. So this is coming to you from someone who placed 
character is the number one criterion for my children and the number one for me in me assessing me. But uh, with regard to leaders, there's a much bigger question or any other thing where they affect other people. Firefighters affect other people. The character of the firefighter is secondary to his or her, for that matter, but mostly his, ability to put out fires. If you had cancer and you were given a choice of two oncologists, cancer doctors, one had a phenomenal reputation as being sort of a, almost a miracle worker with regard to cancer, but was known to, uh, to treat people pretty lousy at the office and have zero bedside manner versus an unbelievably kind and wonderful oncologist who didn't have that reputation. Who would you take? It's a rhetorical question. We all know the answer, right? Hmm. God, I love it. Right? Isn't that, uh, isn't that obvious? So it, it's immature, immature to, to say, oh, how could you support X because of uh, his character failings? That's not, I don't elect a president or choose a firefighter or choose an oncologist based on whether I think they're a good person. Those are the people I want as friends. Those are the people I want for that matter as my religious leader. If I, I am religious, if I were choosing a rabbi for my synagogue or if I were Catholic, if I were going to uh, work uh, and not work, but attend a, a, a church, I would care about the priest's character. I would care about the pastor's character if I were Protestant. That's, that's, that is a different story. But I, I, when we elect a president, we're not electing a pastor or a rabbi or a priest. We're electing a president. And there are a lot of fires to put out to keep my analogy going. There are a lot of cancers to conquer. And I have not found in general to, to a great relationship between my assessment, and, and I'll come back to that later, my assessment of the character of a leader and their ability to lead well. Take, take fidelity. This president is so frequently, oh, wow, he committed adultery, he had, a, he had a porn actress or whatever it might be. Well, wait a minute. John F. Kennedy was way, way, way more unfaithful more, far more frequently unfaithful to his wife. He had apparently had orgies at the White House. But in those days, the press didn't report these things. And he is, he is an idol of the people who uh, speak about the inability to support Donald Trump. John F. Kennedy, whoo. He, he's, uh, and by the way, he was an idol of mine when I was a little child. He was president. I was a very young kid, but I, I remember what an idol he was. Is there any relationship whatsoever between being a good leader and being faithful to one's wife or one's husband, as the case might be? Zero. Zero. I wish there were. Then all I'd have to know is, hey, so-and-so is faithful. You have my vote. It doesn't mean a thing. It means a great deal in life. You should be faithful. I believe in the Ten Commandments. But A, I don't judge people on... on uh, their private sins. It's not my, it's between them and their spouse and them and God. I, I am not so holy that I could go around judging and I am faithful, but I, but I, I don't go around, oh, this guy was unfaithful. I, I, he's dismissed in my eyes. 
so it, life is complex and it, it's it's good to have a complex mind uh, to to face this so the fidelity issue isn't even an issue and i wrote about this 30 years ago i wrote away before i ever heard of donald trump that had nothing to do with donald trump this this is i i i I hold this issue, and as a religious person, I know King David. King David was not only unfaithful to his wife, he had the woman that he had an, an affair with. He had her husband go to battle to die. He had him killed to get his wife. Somehow or other, God found him workable with. It was a terrible sin, and God punished him. But he, he, was, not, he was a great leader. The Bible's a lot wiser than the folks who uh, dismissed Donald Trump because he was unfaithful, let alone for things that he said privately, that uh, I got to do this as a separate, unless I've done it already, the, uh, the notion of the difference between private talk and public talk. Have I done it? Because it's unbelievably important. What you say privately is your business, not mine. I will never assess people on the basis of what they say privately. Okay, so another example. Uh, all this character talk, how could you support a president? How could you support, let, let us say, how come if it's so important, the character of people who have great impact, do you, do I, why don't we want to know the character of the editor of the New York Times? Next to the president of the United States, it is arguable. He, 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 yeah, no, no, he's dreaming. He's dreaming. I so put him to sleep that, that, that he dreams. He's in deep REM now. Everything okay? I don't, my man. You're the man. You are the man. Okay. I hope it's, I don't know if it's a pleasant dream and I'm ruining it or it's a bad dream and I'm helping him. There's no way to know. Why don't you care about the character of the editor of the New York Times? He's more powerful than anyone but the president of the United States. Because all the other, uh, the, the, all the uh, journalists, it's a herd. Modern journalism is a herd. The New York Times says something, the rest of the newspapers uh, echo it. It just, I saw it because it was an article about me and I saw what happened. <laughs> just covered, covered by, by radio and TV and it just because it was in the New York Times. Why don't you want to know about the character of the, uh, of the editor of the New York Times? They say they want the tax returns. I've always been opposed to this. We, we need the tax returns of anyone who runs for president of the United States. I don't care, Democrat or Republican. I don't care about your tax returns. I don't want to know them. You're allowed an area of privacy. I, I don't need to know your tax returns. It tells me nothing. Do we have better presidents since we started seeing tax returns? Of course not. All it does is invade the privacy of, of, of individuals. Why not see the private, then why not see the tax returns of, of, uh, of the editor of the New York Times? It's funny how journalists want all of these criteria for, for uh, politicians, but none for themselves. Has the editor of the New York Times been faithful to his wife? I don't care. But you should, if you care about it and with regard to a president. Another one. Oh, he's not a model for children. Since when are presidents models for children? <laughs> Guess who I had as a model for children for me as a child? My father, my uncles, my brother, my rabbis, my teachers. Even people in movies, because they were good male models then, unlike now. Most of the males are children. They're boys. 
Can you imagine when I was a kid, Lyndon Johnson was president. I think my father ever said to me, Dennis, I want you to look at Lyndon Johnson and learn how to be a man. I would have cracked up. Never occurred to my father. You don't elect the president to be a model for your children. If they are a model for your children, that's a very nice bonus, but that's not what makes a good leader. So it's the, the naivete drives me crazy. It's a sin for an adult to be naive. Okay? Well, how I dealt with it? Yeah, how about this? The black unemployment rate in the United States is the lowest since we have ever been determining these numbers. The lowest ever. Why isn't that more important than what I think about the president and his character? Isn't people having jobs really, really important? I care about America more than I care about Donald Trump. Donald Trump is not my issue. This country and the world are my issues. Does he do good for the society? Not is he a wonderful human being. And I'm not saying he's not. I don't, I don't have the ability to assess him. It's not my business. God can assess him. So I hope that answers. Next time, ask the question about the firefighters. You want the ones who put out fires best or the ones with the finest character? Now, if you could have both, that's great. Okay? Great, thank you. Time for your questions. The first one comes from someone many of you know. Because he's at, and it just, I just found that out when I saw it right before the broadcast. And uh, it's uh, Will Witt, who opens up with some humor. He mispronounces my name. But please know, he knows my name. I just, for his sake, I wanted you to know that. Anyway, here we go. It's from Will, 23 years old. And here he goes. Hey, Dennis Prager? Prager, is it? Uh, Dennis, my name's Will. I'm uh, 23 from Hollywood, California. And I just want to know, where do you get all your good ideas from? I'm really curious to know where they all come from. Thanks. Well, you know, that's a very real question, by the way. I, I do have a lot of ideas. I always have. And where do they come from? Well, I'm going to give you the most honest answer that I can. Uh, I am into classical music, as some of you may know. I conduct orchestras periodically. And I've been into classical music my whole life. It's, it's, it's a love that, that I, can't, I can't even describe how... How profound it is. So one of the greatest writers of melody was the great uh, composer Franz Schubert. Schubert was asked once that exact question, where do all these melodies come from? And he just, and he said, they just come into my brain. And that's what I would have to say about my ideas. I, I just always get ideas. It's a blessing. I admit it. So I, I'm trying to use it for the good of others, as Schubert did, we benefit from what came into his mind. But that's the best answer I could give. I, I, get, I could give a secondary answer. That's the primary. The secondary answer is I have a clear mind. I have a very clear sense of the world, I believe. It's not cluttered. It's not cluttered. If, if, if uh, you could take an x-ray of my mind, things would be orderly. I'm not cluttered with uh, with a lot of personal issues, thank God. Uh, 
I, I have always sought clarity. I love clarity. I love it in music. I love it in photography. I love it in ideas. So I, I, I don't let me get in the way of my ideas. A lot of people, their, their stuff gets in the way uh, of, of clear thinking. I think that's a factor. Okay. Here we go. Next. Kaloyan, 38, in Ruz, Bulgaria. Hello, Mr. Prager. Thank you for your valuable work. I did translate the subtitles of a part of your lectures into the Bulgarian language, the Ten Commandments and few others. I can't tell you how much I thank you. Blagadaria. Just thank you in Bulgarian. And I will upload other translations in the future. Can you make a comparison of the meaning of submit to God and struggle with God in terms of human behavior? Be healthy. Thank you. I am healthy. Thank God. Uh, that's a very, very good question. I, I don't know what provoked it. Probably you're hearing me talk about the following. I've been broadcasting for 37 years on radio in the United States, and it's heard around the world. Now, you can easily hear my radio show anywhere in the world. And just go to DennisPrager.com or Salem Radio Network, it's, uh, which is who syndicate my show. Anyway, very early in my career, a, uh, a Muslim woman called my show. Well, this was when I was only on in Los Angeles. I became national, nationally broadcast 1999. So she said, uh, hi, Dennis, I'm a Muslim woman, and I know we can ask you anything, which is true to this day. You can ask me anything. I said, so I'd like to know why aren't you a Muslim? And I was complimented that she would even care to ask. Was, I thought it was a very fair question, and that she assumed that I knew enough of Islam to uh, answer the question. And I did study Islam and I studied Arabic. So I told her that uh, the answer that came to me immediately was this. I said, here, this might, might answer your question. In Arabic, Islam means submit to God. In Hebrew, Israel, the Jewish people, if you will, later as later known, Israel means struggle with God, and I rather struggle with God than submit to God. And I'll never forget, she just said, good answer, thank you. Because it was a good answer, because that's what Islam means, submit, submit to God. Now, obviously, there's a submission to God in Judaism as well. Of course, I submit to God. But I also struggle with God. I don't only submit to God, I struggle and that, that, they're both important. You have to submit and you have to struggle. God gave us a mind, so we're allowed to ask questions. God, why this? Why that? Why is there so much suffering, God? Why this? That's fair. It makes you think. You have to work it through. And by the way, I, I tell people it applies to both religious people and non-religious people. Religious people should struggle with God and non-religious people should struggle with God. If you don't struggle with your atheism, it's not intellectually deep. Just as if you don't struggle with God, your religion is probably not all that intellectually deep. Tim, 22 years old, Western Cape, South Africa. Good day, Mr. Prager. 
Good day, Tim. My question deals with handling a parent who behaves like a child, literally. I am a Christian, and I understand the Bible commands that one honors one's parents. How do you deal with a parent who does not want to take responsibility for their own life, unwilling to look after their own physical, spiritual, and financial well-being? What can the child do to help a parent like that? Where does one's responsibility as a child end towards your parents? I would appreciate your thoughts. I hope you visit my country one day. May God bless you all at PragerU and the work you do. Thank you. We are blessed. By the way, I've been to South Africa on a number of occasions. I just haven't lectured there, and I would love to do that. Okay. First, there are two separate questions here, believe it or not. One is, what can the child do to help a parent? And the other is, where, where is my responsibility end with regard to having to honor my parents, as the Ten Commandments says? They're separate issues. You, you, can't, uh, you can't help your parent. In fact, you, you can't help most people uh, in terms of, we can help people in terms of, obviously, can I get you to the doctor? Can I, can I help you out in A, B, C, or D ways? Of course. But you can't fix the issue here is not help. The issue is fix. You can't fix your parent. You can't fix your child. You can't fix your spouse. You can't fix your friend. The only people can fix themselves. So you're not obligated. It says, it doesn't say fix your father and mother. It says honor your father and mother. So you're not responsible to fix them. You're only responsible to honor them. Now, clearly, there are some parents who are much tougher to honor than others. So you have to figure out within the context of what is possible, then you have to figure out how do I honor them? It, 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 it may be that you honor them just by periodically calling them on the telephone. That, 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 but you've, you can't, you can't dishonor them. You, you can't, you can't, in most cases, I mean, there are some hor horrible cases of evil parents, but, you know, honor your father and mother doesn't come with an asterisk. It, it's just understood. That that's, that's the reason there's a commandment. It's easy to honor parents who are easily honorable or, or, or lovable. By the way, you don't have to love your parents. That's a great part of what I teach, and I so deeply hope you'd all read my Bible commentary, The Rational Bible. Two volumes are out, Genesis and Exodus. And I explain in Exodus, with that commandment, how brilliant the Bible is. We're told to love our neighbor, love the stranger, love God, but we're never told to love our parents. You don't have to love your parents, but you have to, you have to show them honor. They're unique. They are unique in your life. There's no one else we're told to honor. The fact that you asked the question is a credit to you. I'm sure your parents are not easy. Zhao Victor, 20, Araras, São Paulo, Brazil. Hello, Dennis and Otto. Otto, you hear that? Hello from Brazil, Otto. Yeah, his enthusiasm is contained. Dennis, do you have any fears in life? Obrigado. Hmm, e ciao. Obrigado for your question. That's a good one. Do I have any fears in life? Think about that. Well, let's see. 
did I did I bring a lighter? My my cigar is out. You want to give me one? The uh, so I don't have I don't have many fears. I've uh, I've I've worked on myself. Thank you. I've worked on myself to uh, first of all I, I I take this stuff seriously. So I do I do have, I fear God because I have to answer to God, I, and that's a very good way to walk through life. I believe in that. So that helps a lot. So, for example, do I, well, I, I mean, look, I, I, I fear getting cancer, okay? I mean, you know, I fear becoming a quadriplegic in an auto accident. But they, they don't consume me. Uh, I mean, maybe fear isn't the right word. I, I, there are things I hope don't happen. <laughs> I don't know if I walk around with those fears. I don't fear what people will say. I'm, I'm attacked a tremendous amount and lied about a tremendous amount. And I just know that that's the price you pay for trying to do good. And it's, it's, I'm not happy about it, but it, I, don't, I don't fear it. Um, uh, I don't fear d death. I, uh, I, death makes me sad, but I have no fear. There's nothing to fear because if there's nothing, what's there to fear? And if there's an afterlife, there's certainly nothing to fear. So I don't, I don't have that. There's no fear involved. And in when I think about death, I don't want to die. Nobody healthy does at any age because uh, I'm, I'm having such a great time. <laughs> I, I just love life so much. I love the people in my life, and I feel I have a lot of important things still to do. But I don't fear. That's not a fear. So I, I don't have many fears, to, to be honest. It's a, good, it's a great question. I, I may do a radio show because I learned so much from listeners who call in. I'll ask people what they fear. And then I might have a better answer for you. What about like spiders? Oh, I don't fear spiders. Also, it's, uh, no, I don't have fear of any of the, I mean, I, I, you know, I fear being alone with a lion. But I, I, it's not, you know, I would fear it if, if that happened at the moment. You know, like, I don't fear a plane crash and I live on airplanes. The thing I most fear about a plane crash, I mean, I, I, this just sounds bizarre. I fear uh, people screaming as, it, as the, I, I hate, I, I really have a, a visceral reaction against panic. I don't like mm -hmm. panic. That's why I don't like, there's so much hysteria in our age. The world's going to come to an end in 12 years. I mean, kids are raised with all these fears. I feel for those of you who are young, I mean, the world is not going to end in 12 years. Just want you to know. It's, it's, a, it's a crackpot notion. We'll deal with, uh, we'll deal with, uh, if, the, if the oceans rise, we'll deal with it. Humans have dealt with, with, uh, with natural phenomena throughout history. Anyway, the people who believe that the the that oceanfront areas will be deluged, they don't sell their oceanfront houses. 
how come people are still buying all these oceanfront homes in America? They're the most expensive homes in America in many instances. Anyway, okay. Now, it doesn't mean I'm, I'm, you know, you asked about spiders. So would I want to be alone in a room with a thousand spiders? No. But I don't, but that's not normal. It's not normal to want to be in a room with a thousand spiders. Okay. Brianna, 22, in Newark, New Jersey. What's, uh, what's our time? 28. All right, last one. Dennis, there aren't many human beings that I would love to meet one day, but you're one of them. Thank you. I'm very touched by that. I love your wisdom and character. Well, thank you. Okay. Then there's a compliment I won't read. <laughs> what advice would you give to a black female who lives in a predominantly black urban community, but has many of the values that you speak of in your fireside chats? Well, I would give you the exact, how old are you? Let's see, 22, is it? Yeah. I would give you the same advice I would give any 22-year-old, male or female, but especially female. Find a wonderful man as soon as possible. <laughs> That's my advice to uh, all young women, because good men don't grow on trees. And your chances of getting a good man are greater when you're younger. Now, pe people hate when, when I say that, because... They, they hate reality. Reality, those of us who speak just simple truths about life, you know, 50 years ago, this is exactly what young women were told. But then came the intellectuals at the universities with f foolish ideas, many of them emanating from the intellectual community and from what's called feminism, where the idea that a woman should want to get married was debunked. What she should really want to be is a CEO. But uh, there's more, more fulfillment in, in marriage and family than there is in being a CEO. I'm, I'm just telling you the truth. That's a fact. So that's, the that's what you should, uh, you should be looking for. And in, in my opinion, uh, in every race, I don't think people should confine their search to, to uh, any, any color. Good people are good people irrespective of their skin color. That's my first, uh, my first piece of advice. And then make a, make a beautiful home with some good man. Try to raise good kids. It's not easy. And, you know, do whatever you want. If you want to do something professionally, of course. But that, I think that should be a first order of business. And not many people are going to tell you that, which is uh, very unfortunate. Part of the reason so many young women are depressed today. They've been given awful advice. That's strong stuff. Great to be with you. And send in your questions. Try to keep them on the shorter side. And, and simple. Not simple to answer. I don't... I don't care if the question is, is a difficult one. I, I answer difficult ones, I try. But don't, don't, you don't have to phrase it in a, in a particularly complex manner. So we love to hear from you, even if it's just a reaction. Tell your friends about PragerU. We're trying to touch people in the best way possible. And I'll see you next week. Thank you.
Thank you for watching. If you'd like to keep these fireside chats free, please do by donating to PragerU.